Tonight at 6 o'clock, um, we're going to be hearing from uh, Pastor Brian again. He used to be our missions pastor, and he's going to be sharing with us the, the heart of the missions there. And um, then Monday night, or Monday morning actually, if you can make it, we have a, a roundtable from 10 to 11. So if you can make it to that, come, uh, come and be a part of that. But then please come that night at 6 o'clock. We're going to be hearing from uh, Pastor Shinde from India. And then the next day, Tuesday, we'll be having another roundtable from 10 to 11 o'clock. And uh, just come. If you can break away, come break away and, and see what God has for you there. But then Tuesday night uh, at 6 o'clock, uh, just clear off your schedule and uh, come here. Uh, the close of the mission conference, Pastor Edward from Zambia. He's the pastor of a church and orphanage there. And he's going to be sharing with us what God's doing. And honestly, we, we need to be hearing about what God's doing we need to be hearing about missions. We need to be hearing about uh, his heart for missions, his heart to spread his gospel across the world. And uh, we need to be hearing about those things because we need our hearts to be moving that direction. I mean, all of missions comes from a heart for others. And we need to have a heart for others. And we need to have a heart for Jesus. We need to have a heart that says, wow, where, how do I fit into this? And it's a, it's a pretty powerful thing to, for us to stop and hear what, what God has to say to us. So let's stop right now and stand up on our feet and uh, get ready to worship the Lord and hear what he has to say to us. God, as we come to you this morning from our different places, Lord, we, we should be thinking about how your son, Lord, has been rising across this earth, Lord, for many hours now. And as it's risen and the earth has turned, Lord, people have woken up all across your world and praised the Lord and heard from you and worshiped and repented and obeyed you, God. And now the sun has risen here on Casper, Lord, and we are standing on our feet in your house and we're here to worship you. We're here to Repent, Lord. We're here to rejoice, Lord. We're here to obey you. So I pray that we would stop in this moment recognizing that you've always intended for worship to rise up to you on this day and that we would worship. Amen. From God's word, read with me. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. I'm going to back that up a second. Oh, sorry. Let's start from the top. Get this right. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. For the Lord is good. His loving kindness is everlasting and his faithfulness to all generations. Let's hear it in Spanish. declare his faithfulness together this morning.
trying to greet one another this morning. We'll move through a little bit. Go ahead and have a seat. Hallie, why don't you come on up here? As you guys know, we're kind of beginning our, our uh, missions conference this morning. And we, we call it a conference, but really it's, it's just us inviting uh, the people that God's laid on our heart to come and to speak to us about what God's doing in their lives and from the Word of God about missions and we're really blessed this year. We, um, we just saw God kind of put this conference together as we prayed about who he was leading. I got a message about what was going on with Brian Scott, Hallie Scott, and their daughter Lainey. Uh, Brian and Hallie, uh, they have been a part of College Heights for a long, long time. And, uh, but they said they were coming back for a little while. And I said, well, are you going to be in Casper? And they said, yep. And so I said, why don't you come speak for us? Uh, and then I got a... A message from Pastor Edward Wanisa from Zambia saying that he was going to be in the States about this time. I said, why don't you come speak for us? And then Pastor Shinde, where's Pastor Shinde? Is he in here? Did they take him home? 
Anyway, <laughs> wait till I see Nick Belleville. Anyway, Pastor Sinde from Mumbai, India, he'll be here speaking tomorrow. And so God kind of put these special people together, I believe, for, for this few days. And our theme is faithful. And uh, Brian and Hallie, they'll tell you more, but they've been serving in some pretty intense, a very, very intense place and have a great ministry um, Pastor Edward and Pastor Shinde, again, guys that serve in places that are incredible, and God works through them in incredible ways. So really what my heart is for our missions conference is for us as College Heights to be not renewed and recommitted to missions, but to have a, a, a deeper heart for, and again, not missions, I love for Jesus to the place where we're loving people, to the place where we'll take the gospel, not just to our neighborhoods, but throughout our state and nation and to the ends of the earth. You know, guys, we have to have a heart. Because it's easy at College Heights, we've done some missions, and so it's easy for us to go, well, we're doing missions. Listen, that's not what we want. We want to be filled with the love of Christ and compelled with the love of others to take the gospel and to touch lives and to serve and to give and to be what God wants us to be. So let's not just talk about doing missions. I, I want you to pray for God to give us a heart for missions, for people that they might come to know Christ. So after all that, this is Hallie Scott, and uh, she's just going to share a little bit about what's going on with her. So thanks, okay. Hallie. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Uh, yeah, so I'm Hallie, and I see a lot of really familiar faces and um, maybe half unfamiliar faces as well, so it's really good to be here. So just for those who um, aren't as familiar with us, there's my husband Brian in the blue shirt, and then our daughter Lainey is 13. She's sitting, can you shake your hand up? Yeah, she's sitting there. Um, Lainey, side note, she's the language expert on our team. This girl was uh, blowing us away with her aptitude in the university. She was the youngest kid in the university, and she speaks Russian like a champ. Uh, I, I'm looking out here seeing somebody that might be able to test your Russian, Lainey. <laughs> Irina. Uh, anyway, um, yeah, it's really great to be here after being gone for a couple of years. And um, so as you know, our family, two years ago, we joined a Latino team and we moved into the Caucasus of southern Russia to study Russian language and culture and serve on this team um, in Pitigorsk. And uh, yeah, there's probably a lot I could say, so many stories, but I'm just going to speak for just a few minutes. And I just wanted to start by saying that you know, Jesus really is worth following at any cost. And um, 20 years ago, uh, my spiritual journey really began, even though I grew up in a Christian home and knew God, knew of him, and accepted Christ. When I, uh, this morning was reminded as I looked out and saw our brother from Zambia, um, it was 20 years ago on my first trip to Zambia that God really spoke to me walking out into the village of Kitwe and just said to me, Hallie, I see you and I love you and I love you exactly the way you are. And it just profoundly impacted me and changed my life. And I never knew that 
like following Jesus from that point on would land me in Russia. You never know where following Jesus is going to land you, but it is worth it. He is worth it. Um, I want to share just a just kind of a simple, funny story of something that happened in Russia, just a way that God just showed up so clearly. And um, I have a lot of stories like this and would love to get to spend time with any of you who want to. We'll be in and out of Casper over the summer. Anyway, so um, one day before the war started and we were still allowed to send mail, this is before sanctions hit us and um, we were isolated from the world of banking and uh, post office, I decided to go send a few postcards thinking this is going to be a simple feat and I go to the post office and I use the analogy that the Russian post office is like the motor vehicle department in the USA. So if that helps you understand a little bit, you lose like six months of your life waiting in line to get something done. And <laughs> these people hate their jobs. And so I show up, you know, American girl, packed post office. I think it's going to be easy. I know how to ask for stamps. My Russian was still pretty minimal at this point. And I get a lady who is super annoyed that she has to type in every address in our alphabet into her computer system and send these letters. And so she takes 45 minutes to do all the entering in the computer. I'm standing there. The post office is full of people behind me. It's about 100 degrees in there. And finally... She tells me to pay. I use my debit card. It won't work. And so she's trying to explain to me, and I'm we're going back and forth. I can't understand what she's saying. I'm about ready to cry, knowing people are waiting behind me, and you just feel that pressure of like everyone is staring at you. And so finally, I just tell her, I live a few minutes away from here. Look, I'll just walk home. I'll get the cash, and I'll come right back. So she's okay. So as I leave and I'm going, I just start crying and I'm just like, God help me. You know, I'm going to go get this money. Nothing is simple here. So even though I think I'm just going to go hand her cash, I already know it's not going to be that easy. And I just really need you to send someone to help me. So I go home, I get the money, I'm on my way back. I walk in, the post office is empty now. So I go to the same lady. She starts speaking to me again in Russian. She slides a piece of paper at me like this. And then I realized that she wants me to give all my information because now my card worked and she wants to take my cash but refund my card. I don't know why. I'm like, okay, God. And all of a sudden I hear a voice behind me and it's an elderly gentleman that was sitting there and he says in perfect English, may I translate something for you? I look back and I'm like, you must be an angel. Like, you were waiting for me? (laughs) And he comes up, he explains everything to the lady. The whole transaction happens in 30 seconds. And I'm about to leave, and I just looked at him like, where did you come from? And uh, I said, I literally prayed. I was here already for an hour, and I prayed for God to send someone to help me. And here you are. And he, he said something flippant like, oh, you know, we love God here in Russia. And so I just thought... What are the odds? Anyway, like that's just a little, very simple story. But it's a story that I actually got to share with like many of my Russian friends there of just like, God is with you when you talk to him, like he answers your prayers and he, he can answer even the simplest things like that. Just a situation that was so anxiety ridden for me. 
and sent this guy to help me. So anyway, um, just again, want to encourage you that wherever you are following Jesus, like you never know where that will land you. And um, it's worth it, though. He is worth it at all costs. So thanks for listening. I look forward to connecting with you guys. Our whole family does. And we just super, super appreciate getting to see your faces and just looking into eyes that, um, that love us. Like it just brings so much joy. So thanks, guys. Sing of the faithfulness of God. This was new for us last week, but let's dive in. Sing of our Father, so kind. Father of kindness, you have poured out grace. You brought me out of darkness, you have filled me with peace. Giver of mercy, you're my help in time of need. Lord, I can't help but sing. And faith you are faithful forever you will be faithful you are all your promises are yes and amen all your promises are yes and amen Russian post office, huh? Beautiful Savior, you have brought me near. You pulled me from the ashes, you have broken every curse. Blessed Redeemer, you have set this captive free. Lord, I can't help but sing and faithful you are faithful forever you will be faithful you are and all your promises
Let's go ahead and pray for our missions conference and for these men that are serving us and for the word, for us, for our hearts, uh, that God will do a great work in us truly. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we don't, we don't come to prayer today because it's something we're supposed to do in the middle of this service. We need you, and we need you completely. Lord, I know there's... There's so many different kinds of needs represented here this morning. You're aware of them all. I would, I would so much desire that those that don't know you would be saved today. So I ask for that. I so much desire for those whose hearts have grown cold who no longer, Lord God, feel that relationship with you and experience your goodness and your closeness for them to be drawn near to you, Lord. And if they need to turn from sins and repent, I pray that they would, that they might have you, Lord, so much better than anything else they could have. I would pray, Lord Jesus, for each one of us here to have an encounter with you today. Many of us know you, but we need you every day to speak and to be gracious and to draw us and to make us in your image, to give us the heart that you have for us. We want to have that heart for others. And Lord, that's why we take time once a year like this to to think about and pray about and to hear about missions, Lord the call, the mandate that you've given us to take the good news to the ends of the earth, Lord God. We need to be reminded that you did that for us. You sent people to us. They told us the truth about Christ. They prayed for us. They loved us. They walked with us. Until one day, Lord, we trusted and believed and were born again, set free. Give us the grace as a church to be those people, to care that much, to love that much. 
Give us the grace, Lord God, to realize that, that the brokenness in this world will never be corrected apart from Christ. There'll never be hope in a heart full of hate until they come to know the love of Christ. No one will ever, Lord God, put away the darkness and the hopelessness and the temptation for suicide or drugs or alcohol until they know the love, the glory, the grace of Jesus Christ. Families will never be mended, Lord God, until we know the love of Jesus Christ and learn to walk in love with one another. Churches, Lord, will never be what you've created your church to be until we know. So, Lord, open our hearts today. Draw us near. Make us like you. Please be with Brian as he comes to speak here in a few minutes. Speak through him, Lord God. And bless Hallie and Laney as they continue to walk and serve in very intense places with great need for the gospel. Please bless Pastor Praveen Shinde as he comes to speak to us tomorrow night. Lord, minister to his wife and children while he's away. And Lord, use him powerfully in a place where they could die for sharing Christ. Be with Pastor Edward Juanisa and his wife and family while he's away and continue to use him as he speaks this Tuesday and as he leads a church in a, a place, Lord God, that's so foreign to us that we can't hardly fathom what it's like. Use him mightily as he shares the gospel in Zambia. And Lord, as we give this offering today, we ask for your blessings on it because Lord, we, we desire for it to be used for your kingdom and for it to be used to do missions and for it to you be used to change lives. And so bless those that give and bless the offering for your glory. And Lord, continue to bless our service as our prayer. And may you get all the glory for everything, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You guys come on up and take the offering as they're coming. We will be taking a love offering tonight, tomorrow night, and Tuesday night for our missionaries that are serving in our conference. So please pray about giving for that. this rock
Fortress is our God, a bulwark never fails. Our helper, he amid the flood of mortal ills prevail. For still our ancient foe don't seek to work us woe. His craft and power are great and armed with cruel. On earth is not his equal. Did we in our own strength confide, our striving would be losing. Were not the right man on our side, the man of God's own choosing. Ask who that may be, Christ Jesus, it is He, 
Lord Sabaoth, his name, from age to age the same, and he must win the battle. Should threaten to undo us. We will not fear, for God has will His truth to triumph through us. The prince of darkness grim, we tremble not for Him. His rage we can endure, for love is doom is Hallelujah, we believe our God is good, hallelujah, a mighty fortress is our God, hallelujah, we believe our God is good, That word above all earthly powers, no thanks to them abide. The Spirit and the gifts are ours, through Him who with us sided. Let goods and kindred go, this mortal life also, the body they make kill. God's truth abideth still, His kingdom is forever. Hallelujah, we believe our God is good. Hallelujah, a mighty fortress is our God. Morning, everybody. Thanks, praise team. Thanks, Connor. Oh, my goodness. Somebody get that guy a piece of rebar and a truck rim immediately. (laughs) Awesome. Uh, So my name's Brian, and uh, good to see all the faces, as Hallie said, and all the faces I don't know. Uh, So good to be here. I feel so loved. 
too many of you to hug and thank right now, so we're just going to get in this, and then we got to. <clears throat> uh, I'm a team leader of a small team working uh, to see Christ made known in the Muslim peoples who live in the Caucasus Mountains inside Russia and Central Asia. So I just want to thank Pastor and the staff and everybody here, the, the whole membership and body and attendees at College Heights and for all of our supporters, I can't tell you enough, but uh, thanks. He kept us on the field, he kept us serving and made a difference. So I just want to thank you. It's a great, uh, it's a great privilege and it's with the deepest gratitude that it's my privilege to be here, so thank you. Uh, <clears throat> my wife, Hallie, you've seen her. My daughter, Lainey, she just disappeared. Okay. Uh, we have spent the last five years, there's a picture, right? There we are. Uh, there's a, that's a, in Pitygorsk, and that's the beautiful Orthodox church behind us. And so uh, we have spent the last five years serving with Frontiers, set out of this church. This is our sending church. And we served for three years mobilizing, which means recruiting, and uh, spending time with the Brain Trust, getting their hands on me and turning me into something. <laughs> like, like, yeah. And then they knew what Mike had on his hands like the whole time, and they were like, oh my goodness. <laughs> so, anyway, that's only funny to us. So uh, we have spent the last two of those five years uh, inside the Russian Federation on a team. And so uh, just returned on furlough, uh, kind of had front row seats behind enemy lines, if you will. And so, uh, I, by the way, uh, don't let my girls' sweet dispositions fool you. They're tough as nails, and I can personally vouch for the fact that they live their life in a way that honors the Lord, very much so. Honors their calling. So these small Islamic republics uh, that we serve among. You go ahead and next slide. This is them. Sorry about the map. It's what it is. Um, the the pink up there is Russian Federation proper. Then uh, those little all those little people groups: Cherkivo, Cherkessia, Adizia, Kabardino-Balkaria, North Ossetia, Ingushetia, Chechnya, Dagestan, Ajara, Abkhazia, Azerbaijan, Turkey. Uh, those are Muslim people. Seven million Muslims live right there. They're very difficult to reach for many reasons. Um, but anyway, that's the area. And then Dajara down here in the corner, if you guys are interested in the future, that's where we'll be working out of from now on. So that's the spot. And uh, think of those little places. They're inside of Russia, most of them except for Azerbaijan, Turkey, and Ajara. Think of them like Indian reservations. They have their own government. They have their own language. They have everything. They just have a federal government over the top of them. Make sense? So they're actually Islamic republics. So uh, they're like Indian reservations, just a little more aggressive, I would say, <laughs> so, and larger. So uh, reaching spiritually entrenched Muslims in, uh, under the watchful eye of a tyrannical government has its ups and downs. But uh, when the special operations started, uh, things ratcheted up. And so it wasn't easy uh, at all, but... It did afford deep ministry opportunities. Ministry opportunities that would not have come if we hadn't been there then and it hadn't been going on. That's how it works. And so uh, relationships that form that would not have had the time to form even in two years, they were fast forwarded in that little window because life was on the line and people didn't have a future and they wanted to talk about God now, right? So really great relationships started. So these Caucasian tribes, next slide that we work among, uh, 
They're as untamed and proud as the rugged mountains that they live among. And they speak the most difficult languages on earth. Uh, they, they aren't exactly easy people to live with for any length of time. And to be perfectly honest, they're the kind of places and people that eat up well-intentioned missionaries like us for breakfast. And so my role on our new team, mine and Hallie's, is to develop new field personnel to be able to meet the challenges that they're going to face when they go in deeper. And so we work them through a small apprenticeship program, make sure they're trending in the right direction with language and care, and someone's shepherding them. Uh, And then we give them a chance to do fruitful work, hopefully, uh, in a highly resistive region. So maybe you know uh, some highly resistive people to the gospel. Next slide. Maybe right here in Casper. Uh, Are there any folks exhibiting strange behaviors lately? Things that you weren't used to seeing maybe a couple years ago? Well, uh, things are changing fast, aren't they? Faster than we can keep up, it seems. And social understandings and, you know, uh, ways of being and culture are like eroding overnight, even here. And so what about people? Have you... You know, everything you've done to demonstrate the love of Christ to them, everything, is it met with suspicion, ridicule, or maybe worse? Well, maybe there are people here that are hard to reach, hard to get through. Maybe if they were Muslims, it might be easier to reach them. That's how hard some people are. So I would like us to look at our theme. Next slide. This is 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. And this is verse 1 and 2, but we'll get 1 through 5. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. This is the New Living Translation that we like to use. We use it specifically uh, because it is the only translation that was given and created specifically for speaking out loud through a translator. It makes it much easier on the translator, and uh, it works really, really good. It makes a difference, actually. And actually, there's a guy who comes and does uh, all these rehearsals. He memorizes whole books of the Bible, and he speaks here every year, doesn't he? Still. Rod? Yeah. Well, he uses NLT. And it sounds different when you speak it out loud. It gets points across. So great translation for that. Uh, so these verses come at the end of Second Thessalonians, right? Last chapter. They're framed in the context of Paul and his team writing to encourage and to kind of address some reoccurring problems that just kind of keep happening. <laughs> so there are key examples right here that I think, I believe, that need to be being followed if we want to see our kingdom efforts endure. We want to see them last. I call this examples of the gospel obeyed. So I'm going to read, then we'll pray. Finally, dear brothers and sisters, we ask you to pray for us. Pray that the Lord's message will spread rapidly and be honored wherever it goes, just as when it came to you. Pray too, that we will be rescued from wicked and evil people, for not everyone is a believer. But the Lord is faithful. He will strengthen you and guard you from the evil one. And we are confident in the Lord that you are doing and will continue to do the things we commanded you. May the Lord lead your hearts into a full understanding and expression of the love of God and the patient endurance that comes from Christ. Let's pray. Father, we ask that you'd speak, speak to me, speak through me, speak to us here. When we hear your voice, it settles things, it settles things in our heart and our minds. 
Lord, it gives us a foundation to face everything we're up against. And so, Lord, do that. Let us know, Lord, a little more today, please, of what it means to be the people of God, the family of God. Lord, we just ask all this, Lord, that you would lead us and give us full whole hearts that we might serve you with our whole heart and love you uh, in some way, best we can, as you might deserve. And Lord, let us bring care and light into dark places. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. The gospel is revealed in the first four books of the New Testament. In the Acts of the Apostles and the corresponding letters, we would see the gospel obeyed. Those are what it looks like for the followers of Jesus, what the first followers of Jesus thought it looked like to obey the gospel that was given. So the first letters uh, were probably these Thessalonian letters, they say. Like the first ones that kind of came in the timeline. Obviously, there were others maybe, but this is what we have the canon of. And it's a good place to see what the second and third generation believers thought obeying the gospel looked like, right? So I want to start with this term, uh, dear brothers and sisters. Now, common enough greeting in the Bible, isn't it? We can look past it pretty easy. But we're starting at the end of the second letter. There were probably other letters maybe. There was an in-person greeting from Timothy. They went up to check on him. There was the initial time. There was all these in-person teachings and there was crazy persecution. It was, there's actually something implied here when they say that, dear. So I think these words, in in my estimation, these words reveal a fundamental pattern that has to be in place. It must be there if we're going to be known as, as followers of Jesus. I call it the great commandment pattern. So the writers actually looked for this and they talked about this, this endearing relationship. This is a relationship of compassion and shared concern. A bond has formed between flawed people. They've gone through some stuff. They're still going through some stuff and they're doing it together. Real people apt to fail in the midst of their brokenness and their struggles, but people who began to consider that the relationship was more important than the problems. The writers looked for this pattern. So 2 Thessalonians 1.3, the beginning of this book, the second letter, it says this, dear brothers and sisters, there can't help but thank God for you because your faith is flourishing and your love for one another is growing. They were looking for that pattern. Where does that come from? Where does the pattern come from? Well, that's easy. John 13, 30, 13 through 45, or 35. So now I'm giving you a new commandment. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. This command of Jesus to love each other the way Christ loved his disciples, because that's how he defined it. That should define us. Uh, God exists in loving relationship, in his Trinitarian nature. You think the Father loves the Son? You think the Son loves the Father? You think the Holy Spirit? Like, there's love in there. They love each other, they care for each other. God exists and has always existed like that, and he always will. So loving each other is more than for us and practical. It is practical, of course. But it is actually his crowning creation trying to express themselves in the same way that God expresses himself in caring relationship. 
If you've ever known this kind of godly, gracious, kind, loving fellowship, or ever been a part of a fellowship of believers who know this, it makes the difference. It makes the difference. People know. People know that God sent you. The second example that I would see that I want us to observe is tucked into why Paul is requesting prayer from these new believers. <laughs> like, let's just face it, Paul and his team are studs spiritually. <laughs> they are. They're studs because they're compassionate and they're affectionate. You want a good Bible study, friends? Study every affectionate phrase of the Apostle Paul. It changed the New Testament for you. What an affectionate and loving man. So, he's requesting prayer from these new believers, and he shares these requests. It, It not only reveals that they have a trusting relationship beginning, but it also shows this interdependent standard that they operated. And I'm going to say it again. They operated in an interdependent standard. The team was depending on their connection with these people. They coveted the power of these people's prayers. They needed it to live. The understanding that the Thessalonians and Paul and his team had was They were all in this together. They were in it together. They didn't conceive that their team could do or should do anything alone, primarily. They were humble, wise enough to ask for help to take the message further. See, because the chaos they lived in was real. They asked for help because they knew the toll it it took on them, and they knew that the Thessalonians would understand. They could relate They knew their dear brothers would take these requests to God because they loved each other. Think about the dangers that would have been lurking in false believers or jealous believers. What a dangerous thing, jealousy. Or maybe think of the evil one and his cruel ways where he tries to pull you away from the pack, get you singled out, and go to work on you. So we have a built-in need for connection to others. And it's much deeper than just group security. God expresses himself in connection with others. I'm going to say it again. God himself expresses himself in connection to others. That's why he made us. So he can enjoy us and we could enjoy him. It wasn't good enough for him to be perfect all up there alone. He loves us. He wanted us. That's how he expresses himself. It's a good So even though he doesn't have any needs that he can't meet in himself, he chooses to express himself in connection with us. So God designed us with these relational needs. We need others. And he wants to be in relationship with others like he is with us. And we all need connection with him. Right? (laughs) Yes, of course. And we need connection with others. I'm not saying you have to become a bubbly extrovert like me, uh, whatever. I'm, I'm just saying that you need people. And guess what? People need you, at least a few of them. There's some people who need you, and you need them. Your life's supposed to be worked out in that. If you don't think you need anyone, then I'm not the only person here who's worried about you. 
Don't stay there. Don't get there. Let's think back to the garden, all the way back to the garden. In the garden, sin had not yet entered. Everything's perfect. It's miraculous. God has Adam doing some stuff for him. He's like, hey, name these animals. What a great job, (laughs) right? Squirrel. (laughs) That was a fun one. Anyway, so God's there, and Adam, and he says, hey, Adam. Adam says, I didn't find anybody like me. I said, oh. Hmm. Yeah. And then God says this. Crazy. Remember, everything's perfect. I mean, God doesn't do anything. It's not perfect. Everything's perfect, and God says, it's not good. All that he made. He said, it's not good for man to be alone. Crazy. So, God said, you know, I don't think this is the way my image bearer is going to best bear my image. It's the best way he's going to reflect me. There wasn't anything wrong like sin or anything. It just wasn't the best reflection. So God made Adam with these relational needs for someone else. And God, God created someone other than himself to help meet Adam's needs. What? Uh, Only God can pull that off. Only God can make that work. He has to be all up in that. Help meet it's not just that man needed a helper like some kind of slave or someone to cook for him. And me and Hallie joke, we play this game, we all know. Like, I snap my fingers and she's supposed to get my food. Like, that's a joke. I mean, it's the other way around. She snaps her fingers and I go stepping and fetching and that's how our relationship has always worked. And so, so anyway, so God created Adam with these relational needs and he created this help meet. And it not only helped Adam, it helped God meet Adam's needs. He could work in others to help Adam. How crazy. So, the human family begins, and God says what? Well, this is very good. Very good reflection of my image. This looks like me, how I am. This, my fingerprints are all over this. Wow. So, this is how God intends our life to be expressed. With God, in family, in fellowship, with brothers and sisters in community. Our lives are to be walked out as members of one body, bearing one another's burdens. Although we are different, I mean we are, we're all different, right? That's okay. From different backgrounds, different stages of life, different tasks, different giftings. But we all work to express our faith in love together. And that's what matters, Galatians says. When the interdependent standard, this interdependent standard is cultivated and present in a group of people, they affect the world for God. You can count on it. Look at John 17, 20 through 20, 21. So, hey, can I get some water? Somebody? Thanks. Um, <laughs> uh, so John 17, 20 through 21, this is what he says. Christ praised this, by the way. There isn't anything that Christ prayed that God didn't say, yes, son, that's a great prayer. I'm glad I gave you that one to speak to me. (laughs) This beautiful pattern of God in Christ and the Father. So I'm praying not only for these disciples, the ones he had sitting right in front of him at the time, but for all who will ever believe through their message. That's us. And the people yet to come. So I pray that they will be one. Just as you and I are one, as you are in me, Father and I am in you, and may they be in us, so the world may believe that you sent me. 
oneness, this biblical concept of oneness. It's more than, it's more than unity, friends. Unity ends up falling back towards uniformity where we all look the same, act the same. You know, like, well, that's good for us as humans. No, this is oneness. This is being different, being over the same mind. God expresses himself as three different persons, perfectly one. And he says, we can enter into that. Oh, thanks. Thank you. Oh, my Callie. But this is water, and she had coffee. I guarantee it. <laughs> guarantee it. So, uh, God wants this for us. Jesus wants oneness between us and God. He's just like all up in that. So Philippians 2, 1 through 2, look at this. It's a great verse. This is Paul and his team writing again to the Philippians. Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Yeah. Any comfort in his love? You bet. Any fellowship together in the spirit? Amen. Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Well, then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with one mind and purpose. That's the interdependent standard. We do it together. Maybe in little groups, but we do it together. You know what I love? I love the sound team. Interdependent. They need each other. I think these people can get up here and do without those people back there. They need each other. We need the drummer. He needs to be on time. Like the whole thing. They're interdependent. That's what it is. They work together best they can. So, we need to be sold out to following Jesus together. Next slide. This is a takeaway I want you to walk away here from. In my team, overseas, this has to be there. This had to be there for the Paul and his team too. They had to do it together. If we want to obey the gospel, if we want to walk like Jesus walked, we want to love like he loved, we want to operate like he operates, we need to value and practice this interdependent standard, a biblical concept of oneness that Christ desires for us. We need to refresh our commitments to one another regularly, right? Yeah. We might have to choose again to kind of remain open to God and to our brothers and sisters calling us to and calling us back to biblical behavior. Anybody need a reminder? Occasionally. As a shepherd, I, uh, I know the high value of independence that we have in this country. And it is good, and it is a necessary part of freedom and maturing. Can't go without it. But I do believe it's not the end goal of maturity. I believe that God wants us to fully mature into interdependence. That we have enough strength to stand on our own two feet so we can help somebody up. Or people who are in continual need. It's when you can lend your strength to others. Did Christ lend his strength to you? Is Christ capable of standing on his own? Does he need you? No. But he lends you his strength. That's the goal. We can share our strength and really help and what? Serve others. That's what he did. He met people and he knew them as a person and he served them in whatever way would move them forward in the kingdom. 
always. If we don't mature, our independent spirits are going to narrow us down, and they're going to bring us into a kind of a undirectable group of individuals, and that usually shipwrecks every effort to do anything together. Another example I see back in the text, verse 1, is a great commission vector. Uh, participating in seeing the gospel spread rapidly, right? Simple, right there, plain as day. Pray that the Lord's message will spread rapidly. So the Thessalonians did this, and they're commended in the letters. Man, they were good examples to all the Greek believers because the, the apostle Paul couldn't go anywhere where he had already heard. Where'd you hear about the gospel? Oh, the Thessalonians. We heard how they turned from idols and served the living God. I mean, it was just like all over Achaia and Macedonia. Well, they had good examples, didn't they? This team. Great examples. So the team writing this letter, the writers had sent out, had been sent out, excuse me, the writers of this letter had been sent out of a church called Antioch. And in that church, they nurtured and matured and stayed in the word and they worked with people and they loved each other to the point where God said, now that's a DNA I'd like to export. That's export quality right there. No prejudice. No preconceived ideas. Just me and my gospel. And Paul had it. He had it. Well, he had a message, didn't he? The clearest message. Even his brothers back in Jerusalem were struggling with this message. But he's like, no, the gospel's for everyone, brothers. Everyone. Oh, so good. So, I ask myself that question all the time. Do I, my family, my team, that I'm responsible for, do we have export quality DNA? Because it doesn't just happen. It's a discipleship process. He has to work you through it. So, I've asked Lainey to come up and and kind of share something with you all that demonstrates a great commission vector. That's what I call that third Example. Okay. See if I can make it through this without coughing. <laughs> okay. This is a story written by a Hopi Native American who was a believer. And this is a tradition they have in their culture of a person who keeps the fire going in their, in their tribe so that the fire can't go out. And if it does go out, they have someone restart it. But they pass this down to younger generations of the person who keeps the fire going. And this is the story he wrote. My father woke me just past midnight, making a sign that I should not wake the others. He handed me my shoes. Our campfire burned low and cast a flickering light on the sleeping faces of my family and friends. Away from our village we walked, my father and I, until we were climbing up through the pines. Now we could look back on the soft glow from our village. He was taking me up to the high ridge, the boundary of our people. He had seen me talking with my friends the day before, pointing toward it and dreaming of adventures. Now with legs full of blood ascending toward the top, he began to speak. Hmm. You are drawn to the places where there are no campfires. Some will try to hinder you because there are plenty of needs in our own tribe, but but they often forget how our own campfires got started. But look now. Here we are at the crest. At this, he sat down and motioned for me to do the same. We could now see down the opposite side of the ridge, which is to say we could see nothing. 
I waited for my eyes to adjust, but the darkness seemed to be a thing alive, like a pot of black paint or a vast ocean of ink. How long we looked, I do not know. Don't be fooled, my father said. There are people down there. As they are, we once were. Fire starters, now forgotten, came to where we wandered in darkness. It will be the same someday for these. But can't they come to us and join our warmth and light, I asked. They're welcome to, of course, he replied, but that is not the way it happens. Others must bring it to them. They must be sent out, have a ritual laying on of the hands in prayer from our elders, a leaving of all that is familiar. It is, <coughs> it is our responsibility to send the holy fire to them. The fire starters must go, lay down their wills for the good of others, just as Messiah did. Somewhere below I could hear a sound that I cannot describe, but if sorrow and anguish could be heard from a long way off, this is what it sounded like. I felt a grief inside too deep for words. You go back and wake your friends, my father said, his words stirring, his words stirring new excitement into my soul. You are fire starters. The Messiah spirit, he will go with you. Thanks, bud. So when Lainey came to Christ, she was eight years old. We were at a camp in Montana. And a guy gave an invitation at this kid's camp, and she went forward. And uh, so we were just talking afterwards. And uh, I said, you know, what was that about, honey? When did you go forward? And she said, oh, you know, he said if you wanted to know for sure, you should go forward. I wanted to go make sure. I was like, oh, that's good. So then she, <laughs> she said, uh, we're just sitting there. And she said, Dad, she said, I think when Jesus comes into your heart, he brings his love for the whole world with him. That's a great commission vector. That's all it is. See, when you get Jesus' heart, what you need, you get that heart. He loves everybody. Everybody. All kinds, every tribe. He's made a way for all. He bled and died. Every man and woman and child could know him. He deserves the reward of his suffering. So we love him. We get his heart. He's willing to. Sh- he's willing to share his heart with us. Put that good, clean heart up in ours. Imagine that. He knows what he's doing. He can faithfully pull that off in us. You know it ain't clean in there, don't you? You know he cleans that up. That doesn't bother him. He ain't afraid by your dirt. You don't make him dirty. His holiness isn't what's going to destroy you. His holiness is what's going to save you. He's going to make you clean. You don't have to be afraid of him at all. He's the one, one thing in the world you don't have to be afraid of. Right? Other people, like even me, like I've, I'm a little dangerous, right? I'm a bit of a porcupine, right? Let's have a hug. Oh, no thanks, Brian. You know, so. He's not like that. Yeah. So anyway, thanks, Bug. So, got to close this. The last sermon, I uh, uh, started editing my message when I did this, and I almost deleted it, so it would have been a nightmare. Not for you, but for me. <laughs> it would have been nice and over, and that would have been good. Uh, so anyway, uh, we need to reflect regularly. Missions conference is a good time. 
Once a year? That's good enough. I think that's good. Uh, we should engage regularly with each other and with the Lord and pray and say, well, what's our part in this great commission? What are we doing? Let's look at that. What could God want to do? Is there some place he wants to send us? I mean, you know, we're soldiers. He tells us what to do. We don't tell him what to do. So he, he would tell us if he wanted us to do something. But he has to nurture us and grow us along to we're usable, right? He's got a lot of big job in that, right? That's what this is for. That's what this is all for. So he can use you wherever you want, right in town, right around the world. By the way, if you don't go in town, he doesn't really want you going around the world. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> so anyway, so uh, the DNA marker, this great commission vector of followers of Jesus, the DNA marker. If that's not in your DNA, you better reflect because it's in there. Uh, so it's not uh, Matthew 28, you know, go disciple all nations is, an, is a directive to be obeyed, not to be blinked at. Well, what do I do? I don't know about that. That's too big. I get you forget it, Lord. That's not how it works. You better find out what your part is in it. There's lots of ways to do that. Great resources, right? So you do a lot, by the way, with the IMB, everything. You do a lot. But maybe God wants you to do something else too. Like he's open-handed. He can, he can do whatever he wants. You're, you're, he's, he's not limited. <laughs> he's not limited in the money. He's not limited in anything. Feels that way for us. We feel like there's only so much money to go around, right? But he's not. We just need to make sure that we're the kind of people that have the DNA he wants to export. He'll make sure you're exported. That's his job. He's the provider. He's your father. He provides for you. So, uh, there's another part of the verse that I, I don't have time to cover this morning. It's the end of verse one where it says, the gospel will be spread rapidly, right? And that it'll be honored wherever it goes. That, there's a lot there to kind of digest and get, how does that happen? It's one thing for the gospel to go around. It's another thing for it to be received and honored. If it's honored, it's received. You understand? How does that happen? So we're going to talk about that tonight. That's part two. So I call that wholehearted consecration. It's a big part of the gospel being received and honored everywhere it goes. It's the secret sauce, if you will. But before we put on the sauce, we have to have the right cut of meat. So we're going to get to the meat of the matter right now. Chap- uh, verse 4, here it is, the meat of the matter. This is such a foundational example here. It makes or breaks pretty much everything. It makes or breaks it right here. Uh, remember the context of the letter? The, the context of the letter is Paul had to run to write another letter uh, addressing some of the same continuing problems that kept reoccurring. And so uh, the reality is that the Thessalonians continued to exor- ignore the apostles' example and instructions. It just kept, kind of kept happening. Wasn't everybody, but it was enough. And so... Uh, we use this saying on our team. We use this saying a lot. Uh, a confused mind says no. When you can't speak the language, and, and there's all, it's just no, 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 no. I mean, when you just, I don't know what that is. I, don't, I can't make heads or tails. It just kind of ends up being a no. You might say maybe, but you really mean no. Just no. I don't understand. I don't know. Just, well, that's real. I don't know if you noticed, but the world out there is a crazy place, and it's tough to make heads or tails of it. Anybody? Yeah? Not only that, but we can be confusing, can't we? We can just profoundly confuse people, even when we're trying not to. So at this point in the relationship, though, that's not what's going on in Thessalonian church. 
They've had clear examples. They've had clear instructions. It's just actually simply that some of the people just didn't want to follow the examples they were given. What is it? Some were continuing to cause trouble, meddling in everybody's business. Some were still refusing to work, still, after all these examples. Others were sowing confusion in the brethren, like serious lies about the second coming of Christ. I mean, confusing. Serious stuff. And uh, some were actually just half-heartedly picking and choosing what they could obey and not obey. They felt like they had that right. I got news for you, friends. If you're just picking and choosing what you're going to obey from God, that is a slippery slope. That isn't how it works with him. He's God. Unless he tells you directly, you can pick or choose. I don't don't hear it much. (laughs) He usually puts an example in front of you and you're to obey it. Pretty simply. So, these refusers, as they were later referred to, uh, they were just in direct conflict with all the key examples and concepts we've been looking at. Just Maybe they were sitting down on the outside, but they were standing up on the inside. So, in verse 4 is the crucial example. It is so critical to Christ-like character developing in your life, it must be there. It's the starting point and the restarting point. Everything comes back to it again, all like your whole life. And that is what I would call obedience-based discipleship. It's intrinsic to the concept of what it means to follow Jesus. Since no servant is above his master, let's look at Jesus. Here's some things that Jesus said and were written of him. He learned obedience through the things that he suffered. And through his obedience, many were made righteous. Jesus was obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. John 14 Great verse, verse 15, and then, of course, down later. The whole thing's great, but these two verses particularly. So Jesus defines his motivation for obedience. We need to know that if we're going to follow him. He said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. He didn't give you anything hard to do. He said, love one another. Then later in verse 31, he says, I will do what the Father requires of me so the world will know that I love my Father. I want to be able to say that. I will do what Jesus requires of me so the world will know that I love Jesus. I love Jesus' Father. I love the Holy Spirit. Right? All the examples we've touched on, you might be able to conceptualize them, you know, and, and all that. That's great. But you just won't have any fruit if you don't obey the example God puts in front of you. It's a necessity. I mean... What good is an example if you don't follow it? It ceases to be an example, and now it's just an abstract concept. James, the brother of Jesus, put it this way. Be doers of the word, not just hearers only. So simple. Seems obvious. It's obvious to all of you. Uh, Yet it's the plague of our day. Sometimes people just don't want to obey the gospel they say they believe in. This is the root of a lot of our problems, isn't it? Well, I don't know about you, but it's the root of a lot of my problems. It's usually the root of my problems. I don't want to forgive someone again. I don't want to change my behavior or be told I'm wrong again. I don't want any more of this hardship. It's hard. I'm bad at this. 
Why me, God? Why'd you pick me? I'm useless. All those things. I'm feeling sorry for myself. Being an idiot. Thank God, in the middle of this text, is a mountain of truth. Sounds like Mount Elbrus in the Caucasus is just standing up there 20,000 feet out of the sky, just right out of sea level. <laughs> it's a pivot point. It's a pivot point in the passage. And it's this, the statement, God is faithful. That is the truest thing, one of the truest things you'll ever read. That's so true, it defines truth. That's how we define truth. The faithfulness of God is how we define truth. It's the most settling thing you'll ever feel in your soul. He's faithful. What's the promise in the text? He will strengthen you and protect you. The divine son of God knows exactly how to help you obey. He's full of wisdom and full of grace because grace and truth and joy come by Jesus Christ. Law came by Moses. Grace and truth, Jesus Christ. And then what does it say a little later? He will lead your heart. Who's your shepherd? Who's going to lead you into these pastures? He is. Can you count on him to do that? Oh, you can. You can. You can. Mm. Can God lead you? Does he know what he's doing? He can. Can you trust him? You can. I don't know about you, but I need to rely on God's faithfulness a little bit more. I need to recount his faithfulness more often. That was my task. I was, I was given that task by one of my uh, shepherd, like Frontiers assigns you a pastor guy that checks on you all the time. And so I have this guy, he's checking on me. We're great friends and we've become friends. And he's like, Brian, every time you see God taking care of you, you need to be thankful and you need to write it down. If you're not writing it down, that was God's faithfulness to you. Somebody taking care of you, somebody noticing you, somebody asking you to speak at a conference, anything. Pay attention on your way home. Remember how God's been faithful to you. That's been my job. Been a good job. God's been so faithful to us. So it stabilizes me when I recount how faithful he's been to us. Where we were living, what we were doing. Oh my goodness. Anyway, this is nuts. This is nuts. And God was there. I'm so faithful. Almost like it wasn't happening. I was like... We're like in this bubble floating around like, you can't, they can't touch us, you know, it was crazy. It felt like they could, but I mean, at times it felt like they couldn't. And so, anyway, uh, it stabilizes me, brings me into confidence, brings me a calm that I don't have of myself. I'm not a calm guy. I'm a freak out guy. It orients me on this trail of breadcrumbs I'm following that lead me to him. So all ends up at his table. He's going to sit me down. He's going to prepare me a feet and wash my feet. And I'm going to say, man, you, you've been faithful to me. And he said, yeah, that's who I am. Right? Oh, that's who he is. So as we close, remember this. In your day-to-day struggles to obey the gospel, we all have them. God will be faithful to help you. 
He'll be with you wherever you are, whatever you're going through. He's going to see you through. Not only you, but others, the people in your life. I know it doesn't look like that all the time, does it? It doesn't look like that all the time, does it? When it comes to others, it doesn't look like God's going to come through. I'm telling you, he is. He's going to come through for them. Don't you doubt him. That's not your job. So maybe God's inviting you to lean into this faithfulness that he has. You can sense his unfailing love to you. Maybe, of course, you're invited to respond. So the band's going to come up. Mike's going to close. Just remember, God will be faithful to meet you where you're at and to help you in your life today, whatever that means. Thanks. You know, be a church that God created us to be and, and make an impact on this world that God created us to make. You know, we have to get outside of ourselves. We have to learn to share, let people pray. We actually have to learn to connect and grow. Let somebody teach us. I mean, man, it seems like one of the hardest things to do today is to admit that we need to learn something before we lead. But who doesn't need to learn something? And then who doesn't need to know God's faithfulness? I mean, Brian, you know, he's, he said something that's, that's harder than I want it to be. Like, God will be faithful to the other one. You know, if you're going to be used by God, if you're going to walk with people, it's hard. People are hard. Hard. Lord knows I am. And Brian knows. He knows. I, I watch this guy and have so many relationships and, remem- and memories of where we've been. And uh, <laughs> we've butted heads a few times. We won't lie. Maybe not in the right way. But look at God. Look what he's done to me and him. Uh huh. He still loves me. Pretty blessed. Max loves me. Beth. <laughs> but you know how hard that is? Do you know how hard that is? Do you know where that stuff comes from? It comes from Christ. But you know what? Part of our problem is, is we're not interdependent on Him. We're not letting Him make us soft. We're not letting him fill us with love. We're not letting him persevere in our life. Because we, we've heard some sweet challenges. Well, they're deep. But God's good. 
he, he's got a great plan for us if we say yes, right? So while we stand and sing, how about we actually pray and ask God to do something in us? And if we need to respond, maybe we need to come kneel and pray and confess sins. Maybe we need to come talk to one of our pastors. Maybe you need to trust Christ for the first time as Savior. If you need to, don't let anything else stop you from that. So let's stand. Let's sing. Let's respond. Your mercies are new every morning. And your mercies are new right now. By your grace, we are saved. Hallelujah. By your grace, we're being saved right now. By your grace, we're being saved right now. This is why we worship you. This is why we sing your praise. Amen. Your kindness melts my resistance. And your kindness is here right now. And your love never fails hallelujah and your love won't fail me now and your love won't fail me now This is why we sing your praise. Amen. We receive your mercy, Lord. We receive your grace for us. We're singing, we're singing. Amen. We receive your kindness, Lord. We receive your love for us. This is why we worship you. This is why we sing your praise. Amen. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we love you. We love you. And we're so grateful you love us. And Lord... I'm thankful for these men and women and these boys and girls. I truly am. Lord, you know us, created us in your image. Your greatest desire is for us to have a relationship with you that would change everything about us, who we are, what we think, how we speak, what we do, why we do it, where we go. 
You want us to be your people. You want us to shine like stars in this dark, broken, destroyed world. You want us, Lord God, to know peace and love, which cannot be known apart from you. And so, Lord, would you do a work in us? Don't let it quit as we leave this room this morning. Do a work in us today. Do work in us tomorrow. Keep drawing us. Keep changing us. Lead us to repentance. Allow us, Lord God, to love you and to grow in our love for you. And Lord, we'll give you thanks because, Lord, there is no one else that has done more for us or will do more for us or could do more for us. And There's no one else who can change this world and do a work through us. There's no one else to give thanks to but you. And we love you. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.